Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Autumn Nations Rugby Preview Show with me, Russell Hargreaves, here on TalkSport 2. As over the course of the next four weekends across the TalkSport network, the home nations of England, Wales, Scotland and Ireland will pitch their wits against the very best the rest of the world has to offer. And we cannot wait. Welcome along everybody. Here we go then. Now to Elliot Daly over the 22. Lovely angle from Elliot Daly. And he will glide over and put the ball down. We've got five campaigns to the World Cup and this is the, the most important one because it's the next one. Here's a chance, it'll kick through. This should be a try. Yes, it is. So Ireland are up and running. Gives it to Lewis Rees-Summit. And Lewis Rees-Summit will score. For Wales, this is probably the toughest autumn campaign we've had in recent history. A drop goal. Scotland lead. The South Africans come from right to left. Looking for Mbappé! Mbappé will score! And South Africa scored the game's first try. Try New Zealand! The Aussies have gone over and they score! Wow, well a voice that you heard I'd say far too much of, but plenty of there is our chief commentator Andrew McKenna, part of our brilliant team to bring you 16 live and exclusive commentaries as the English, Scottish, Welsh and Ireland prepare to lock horns with the best that the Southern Hemisphere and beyond has to offer. Macca, you'll be focusing on England and I just can't wait for what lies ahead. It's a fantastic championship, isn't it? It is. It's a fascinating championship. Obviously, slightly different to last year's autumn, where it was a few games and then there were finals. This time it's back, if you like, to the old uh, format of the autumn uh, uh, games of effectively standalone matches. And, and they're fascinating. And there are some brilliant, brilliant games coming up as North and South Hemispheres collide once again. So over the course of the show, we'll be chatting plenty of Wales and New Zealand in just a second. We'll catch up with Scotland and South Africa in the second part of the show. The English will be our major focus in part three, plus Australia. And toward the end, Ireland, France, Italy, and of course, a little chat with the tournament CEO as well. All of that to come right here on TalkSport 2 over the course of the next 50 minutes or so. So, Macca, we'll start with Wales because this coming weekend, an unbelievable opener. You've got the pleasure of doing it as an extra game, lucky you. They take on the might of New Zealand, the new rugby championship winners. This is an absolute corker, isn't it? It is, and they actually play each other rather more than some of the other sides. England have been waiting a very long time to get a crack at New Zealand, if you remember. But actually, uh, Wales have got, I think it's something like 18 times in the last 18 years that these sides have have actually met. So they meet uh, pretty regularly. Um, But look, let's be brutally honest about it. 
it's a match that Wales do not have a great record in. Um, um, unfortunately for them, and you might want to put your fingers in your ears at this point if you are Welsh, <laughs> um, the last win was 1953. Um, not even you were born at that stage, Russ. So um, it, it's been a while between drinks for Wales. And with their play, some of their players being unavailable this weekend because they play in England, um, it, it looks a difficult task for them. But the Principality Stadium with, let's not forget, a full house for the first time in, what, 18 months or so, that place is going to absolutely rock. Well, Macca will have the pleasure of being alongside George North for that opening game on TalkSport 2 this weekend. Of course, Wales' second biggest try scorer and former British and Irish Lion. Let's hear a little bit from one of his teammates, Jonathan Davies, that wily old fox in midfield. He's been asked what the added motivations are to face New Zealand first up at the weekend. Well, I think it's um, the excitement of the challenge. Um, you know, Everyone talks about the records over the last 50, 60 years against, the, uh, against New Zealand, but... Um, you know, it's a great way to start off our uh, autumn series and, um, you know, it, it's a tough task, but I think the boys are focused on, we've had two good weeks of prep and focus on getting a performance and an accuracy on, on the pitch to, to gain a good result, hopefully, which would be, you know, a great way to start this autumn. Jonathan Davis there, Macker, and uh, as he says there, the experienced players, those who really know what it's like, what it's going to take, they're going to be absolutely critical in this match, aren't they? Absolutely. There's a lot of young players, fringe players in this Wales squad who won't have had the experience. And it is an experience of coming up against New Zealand. It, it puts all sorts of extra pressure on you. It throws up new challenges. Therefore, your senior heads are absolutely vital in games like that. And if nothing else, just to start the game well, just to put some building blocks in place. If you do what the USA did and concede a try in 28 seconds against New Zealand, you have a problem. So what you've got to do, the opening set, be it whether you're kicking off or you're receiving, do it well. Set it up, get yourself a foothold, because the problem with the USA... As, as the USA found with New Zealand, if you give them one try, they'll take one. If you give them ten tries, they'll take ten. So you can't, you cannot give anything for cheap. Wales have to start, do the basics well, and keep themselves in the game. Mm. So New Zealand's to come at five fifteen this coming Saturday. After that, it's South Africa, Fiji, and Australia in a very high octane and congested run of fixtures. Mac, you've alluded to it briefly already. A key point here is for this first game. Same for Scotland, who we'll speak to in a few minutes' time. The issue is that players who play outside Wales and Scotland, because this is technically outside the World Rugby International window, these players can't actually be released or don't have to be released by their clubs as a result for this extra opening game the Welsh and the Scots are somewhat below par bucking that trend though is prop forward Thomas Francis delighted he's been telling you to be involved against New Zealand now that he's back playing his club rugby in Wales rather than England's Gallagher Premiership yeah 100% you know it's been frustrating in the past when I've had to miss out on one of these games and training weeks but to be here now and be able to take part in every training is, is was a massive pull for me to come back and yeah, it's, exciting, it's an exciting game to be available for. You always want to challenge yourself against the best, don't you? And they've always been up there for since I was a kid as the best team. And yeah, it'll be exciting to have a crowd in the millennium, the hacker, the whole experience. And hopefully we can uh, do the jersey proud and uh, put, on a, put on a show for, for the people that come and watch. It's nice to have people there and about. Obviously, the Ospreys haven't had the best kickoff times to get the biggest 
crowds, but uh, no, nah, just to have any crowd is, is, is what you play the game for. You don't play to be in empty stadiums. You play for the spectacle and it, it gives you that extra 5% when, when you're blowing hard and you hear the roar and it, and it gives you that, that, that 5% you need sometimes. Maka, this is a key point, isn't it, for this weekend? Trying to put together the best team that you can, knowing the week after you'll have a stronger team. I feel really sorry, actually, for, for the players involved in this. this. This argument about these autumn games and player release has been going on for ages. And to be honest with you, I come down on the side that world rugby is the problem here. And I'm not a person that, that generally speaking, digs out governing bodies. But if you create a window for autumn international games to be played in, I don't see how you can play games outside of that window. And I think it just creates a problem. However, having said that, I don't think that necessarily the teams are to blame. If you can get away with organising a game, the, the word is Wales are going to get about £4 million out of this game against New Zealand. Now, due to COVID and whatever, they're not going to say no to that income, are they? So I, I don't understand why World Rugby continue to allow nations to arrange games out of a pre ordained window. Can you imagine what would happen if Gareth Southgate suddenly turned around and said, right, I want England to play a friendly against Scotland next week. Yeah, but there's Premier League games on. Well, that doesn't matter. We still want to play. There'd be carnage. I don't understand why players are being put in this position. Uh, and uh, uh, for, for me, World Rugby just has to clamp down on this one and say, there is a window. You play your games in that window. OK, Marcus, so that is clearly an issue for the home nations beyond England whenever it rears its ugly head. Not remotely an issue for the brilliant New Zealand. Top of the rugby championship, five wins out of six, 25 points, won it by seven from the Aussies. And last weekend, their little warm-up before coming to these shores was a 104-14 win against the USA, including 16 tries. Not too bad for me in Foster's All Blacks. You've been chatting to the New Zealand lock forward Brodie Retallick and asked him what it's going to be like to be back at the Principality Stadium in South Wales with that full crowd. Yeah, it's going to be special. Like, you know, to play here is special enough. And then obviously what's going on um, in the world for them to be able to open up and have a full crowd uh, is going to be cool. And I know a lot of the boys, I think like Sam touched on, and um, haven't played here before or it's been a while. So um, we're pretty excited to get in, get in there. And whether the roof's open or, or shut, I'm not sure. But yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. Did you get in into the UK in time to watch the USA game? Can I can I just check? And if you did, what did you make of it? Yeah, we did. We arrived um, oh like mid morning um, Friday here. So yeah, we we were here in plenty of time anyway. We um, and we sat around and watched it. Yeah, I guess you know like like you guys saw and what's kind of been alluded to. This it was a big score and at times it got a little bit messy, but I think. Um, you know, it's great to try and take rugby into the market of the United States and also what it was for boys getting some game time and starting to get some confidence back. They haven't played many minutes or coming back from injury. The veteran New Zealand lock forward Brodie Retallick there speaking to our very own Andrew McKenna. That's all ahead of New Zealand's trip to Wales, of course, on the back of Scotland versus Tonga. And that's the opening weekend this Saturday at the Autumn International Series, live right here on TalkSport 2. Talking of the Scots, in a moment we'll hear from their captain Stuart Hogg and we'll talk South African rugby as well with the legendary Brian Habana. For 
race for Duan van der Merwe. No one's stopping Duan van der Merwe from there. No, it's been hugely refreshing. It's been exciting to have all, all this young talent coming through. Keeps the older boys on their toes. I wouldn't class myself as an older boy just yet. Sanguini, who is going to go 45 metres and then gets lassoed by Stuart Hogg, five metres out from the try line. Things have been going well for us, understand the things that we can improve on, but ultimately take a huge amount of belief all round. And by that, I mean as, as yourself, as an individual, your, your rugby ability, your, your ability to, to make a huge impact on the games. You're listening to the Autumn Nations Rugby Preview Show right here on TalkSport 2 with me, Russell Hargreaves, alongside our rugby aficionado, the man, the legend, the myth that is Andrew McKenna. We've talked plenty of Wales and New Zealand. Time now to focus on Scotland, who, like the Welsh, have got four internationals as well, including one extra one this weekend. That is up against Tonga at Murrayfield before Australia, South Africa and then Japan all come to town as well. Maka, your broad thoughts on the Scots? Generally, most people feel, and I think they're right, lots of improvement under Gregor Townsend in recent times. Real momentum, but it's all about that belief, isn't it? And really trusting that they're one of the best potentially now in the world, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they they certainly have made improvements under Gregor. There was a little bit of confusion about things previously. They've got themselves sorted. Uh, They have themselves uh, a plan in place. And they really do need to get off to to a good start uh, with Tonga this weekend because um, they have Australia and South Africa uh, Mm. coming up as well. So just like England in the fact that Tonga will be the first game, you've got to start well against them. Now, Tonga aren't as strong as where they were, but you know that they're going to bring massive physicality. So you cannot afford to give them any kind of hold in the game, any kind of foot in the game. Scotland have got to control it. They've got to play sensible. We know that they want to play wide. We know that they want to play with um, attractive pace uh, because that's Gregor's way. But what you've got to do is tie in enough defenders to do that. You can't just go wide from ball one. Well, you can, but you've got to be exceptionally good to execute it. So uh, I think there's a case of um, not pragmatism, but but make sure you've ticked all the boxes before you try and go uh, full on for that one. And as we've seen in, in games before, um, generally speaking, you can last 10 or 15 minutes Put the foot down and and pull yourself away. Tonga will be hoping that that's not the case on this occasion, but Scotland, I would imagine, will be saying to themselves, right, first half, that's where we put the building blocks in place. Second half, that's where we complete the sculpture and finish it off and turn it into a masterpiece. Now, our top analyst for all Scotland games is going to be Chris Patterson, the former standoff, fullback, and of course, all time record point scorer for the Scots as well. Real top guy and an excellent, excellent analyst as well. He'll be calling the likes, no doubt, of Stuart Hogg, fullback extraordinaire, of course, now the Scotland captain these days, and a man, just like we talked about in the last part of the show, who can't play against the Tongans because he plies his trade in the Gallagher Premiership with Exeter Chiefs, but will be back for those three rip roaring games afterwards that we mentioned. Anyway, I caught up up with Stuart at the uh, tournament launch a little earlier and asked him how this Scotland team can really maximise both its talent and also that winning mentality. The best thing for us is that we're getting a lot of young boys coming through now that are gaining valuable experience at both Edinburgh, Glasgow and they're playing regular rugby and, and they've been brought into the to the Scotland camp for a reason. They're, they're good enough. They're good enough to be here uh, and they're good enough to be here and make a difference and you know, it's been hugely refreshing. It's been exciting to have all this young talent coming through. Um, keeps uh, the older boys on their toes. Um, 
I wouldn't class myself as an older boy just yet, <laughs> um, but the other boys that are above 30, uh, it keeps everybody on their toes. It's refreshing, as I say, um, and it adds a different dynamic to the squad. So th the big thing for us, mate, is that we want to take a huge amount of confidence uh, for what we've done over the past year or so, understand where, where things have been going well for us, understand the things that we can improve on, um, but ultimately take a huge amount of belief um, all round, and by that I mean as as yourself, as an individual, um, your your rugby ability, your your ability to to make a huge impact on the games, and also us as a collective. You know the the, the results um, speak volumes, the performances speak volumes, but we want to continue to get better both on and off the field. And the big thing that I touched on yesterday is I'd I'd love the boys um, to come into camp and be in a position which I believe they are to be themselves to be themselves, to bring the best out in themselves on and off the field. Um, we love all the different personalities, the characters that we have within this squad. Um, and, and that makes for, for a healthy a healthy squad, a healthy environment. And, and that's something that we want to, to continue to encourage and, 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 can, and make sure that boys are being the best version of themselves throughout the, uh, throughout the campaign. And when we get that, um, everything will take care of itself on the field. Now, as we know, Stuart, you obviously won't feature this weekend against Tonga. We're very excited to have that match across the TalkSport network for the first time. Um, as you watch on almost not involved on match day, just tell me a bit about what you're hoping and, and what might happen in terms of that development for the rest of the autumn from that opening game. Yeah, look, I think the way that training um, went yesterday and the way that the boys are excited for, for the for the biggest session of the week in, in, in a, this afternoon, I think, you know, we're massively excited for this challenge. As you say, it's the the home-based players that will get the opportunity. Um, you know, they're the ones that are going to be re representing our country, and you know, I know they're hugely excited for for the opportunity to um, you know kick off our autumn series campaign in the best possible way. We're going to be up against a very physical uh, Tongan side, um, but for us, it, it's it's all about concentrating on on being the best version of ourselves, being the um, making sure that we, we have that clinical edge in attack. We, we stand up defensively. We adapt to what's in front of us. Um, and we enjoy the occasion. We enjoy the chance to, to take a step closer to, to where we want to be. And um, hopefully we can learn some valuable lessons and, as I say, kickstart our campaign in the best way. And just finally, Australia, South Africa, Japan to then come back to back to back. Just tell me about the excitement. You'll hopefully be involved and in, in building too, even now to France 2023 and, and hopefully hitting a World Cup really hard to really, really compete for the top. Yeah, I think the, the long-term goal is we want to be in the best place possible come the World Cup. The reality of it is we have to take it game by game. And over the next four weeks, we have four completely different challenges, which is exciting. We're going to have to adapt our game plan. We're going to come up against hugely different opposition. Um, but that's that's the excitement of it all. We have, we have a chance to learn, a chance to grow, um, and a chance to really show what we're about. And what better place to do it than a, than a packed house at BT Marfield. We have all missed having all the fans back. Um, and we're looking forward to welcoming everybody back, I think. You know, Gregor touched on the other day. Over the next four weeks, there's going to be around about a quarter of a million people come to BT Murrayfield, which is absolutely amazing to see. And um, hopefully, we can we can uh, put on a performance that they're proud of. 
The great Stuart Hogg there, Macca, who of course you had the pleasure of commentating on during the British and Irish Lions tour not so long ago across TalkSport and TalkSport 2. As he says there, sitting on the sidelines for a week but still heavily involved and then we let loose with the likes of him, Finn Russell hopefully and um, a really, really strong Scotland team for what lies ahead. They're a good, good side, Scotland. They've made massive leaps in the last couple of years or so. Um, I largely put that down to Gregor Townsend. I think he's a really good coach. I've said before, I'm I'm sure within myself that Gregor is going to be the head coach of the British and Irish Lions in Australia in four years' time. I think think he's that good and I think that tour is perfect for him. And he's had a taster, hasn't he, as part of the assistants now as well? Absolutely. So all the things are moving in that direction. But for that to happen, he needs his bread and butter job, his day job with Scotland, to continue to go in the right direction. So it's important that he's had a look at um, how things work with the Lions and and maybe got some ideas off of other people. But now it's about actually going and implementing them with his squad for this weekend. Um, As as we keep saying, um, no Stuart Townsend, no Duan van der Merwe because they're playing in England. So there's an opportunity for players here and and guys to stick their hands up and say, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, okay, he's not here, but I'm more than capable of doing a job. So I I think Scotland uh, will do a a very, very handy job on this one and I would take them to win pretty comfortably, actually, uh, by the the time we get round to the 80th minute. OK, Macron, just one more quick one on the Scots. What do you feel is their potential end goal, end game here, given the fact they've cast their net wider in terms of player qualification, the excellent coaching we've touched on, the quality of some of their individual players? How far could this go? It's a good question. Um, I'm surprised. <laughs> well, every now and again, if you shoot enough bullets, you hit something in the end, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, Realistically speaking, are we talking about a team that could be top four, top five in the world rankings? It would take it would take a strong wind and going downhill. But are they go- capable of being six, seven, eight? Absolutely, yes. And what they're doing is they're creating a much deeper playing base. Um, they've brought in a guy who we saw on the Lions tour playing for the Sharks, who they've actually had an eye on for the last three or four years, um, despite the fact that he's been playing in South Africa. He's now in the squad. So what well, they're very clever, Scotland, that they look around the world. They don't just say, right, well, are you playing in Glasgow? Are you playing in Edinburgh? They will trawl the net. They're prepared to do that. Um, look, whether you like those qualifications, rules or not is an entirely different matter but those are the rules that we're playing on at the moment so if you've got someone who is Scottish qualified and you know you can add to a really impressive group with the likes of Hamish Watson and all their other Lions then look they can be a really solid top eight world ranked team yeah definitely Dylan Richardson that man that we're looking very closely at and funnily enough at the tournament launch the legendary former South African win Brian Habana was asked about Dylan who he was mightily impressed with and thought he could do a great job as the latest Scot with South African roots to come through so we'll watch that very closely talking of Habana he's effectively one of the tournament ambassadors a great pleasure to hear from him of course as we know World Cup winner so many tries so much brilliance for South Africa at some of the most formal periods during the Springboks rugby history in recent times. Brian's been discussing what he's called a crazy time for South African rugby heading into this autumn series. It is one heck of a year and I think you know when you wear the mantle of you know the Rugby World Cup champion tag and you know there were a lot of questions asked during the Lions series but I think the manner in which 
the Springboks sort of came out of the rugby wilderness for the better part of, you know, two years almost. You know, the last game they played was against England in that Rugby World Cup final to then, you know, have Super Rugby cancelled, you know, have a local competition, you know, run five times parallel ahead of the Lions series to have COVID cases. And I think the manner in which the Springboks, you know, came out of that tour and, Yes, there was a lot of potential off-field stuff, but I think, you know, the mental resilience that team showed, you know, with everything going on was was paramount. Uh, obviously, going over to Australasia and, you know, facing some real thorough opposition we had had international exposure, you know, for the better part of, of the last year. Um, you know, they sort of got found wanting against, against Australia, where, again, they were unlucky to, you know, lose the first game in the last, you know, last minute by a spectacular Quake Cooper kick and then, you know, sort of heavily beaten in the second test and then, you know, met the, the All Blacks uh, in that first one, which, again, lost in the last, you know, last movement of the game, but, you know, proved in that last game that they, they are worthy World Cup champions. They have been through a lot together as a team and I think as a South African, I think we really saw the test quality of the Springboks in that last game against the All Blacks. They will be heavily tested, though, against, you know, a Welsh, Scotland and, and England side that are looking to cement their place as, you know, the, the top tier nations within the Northern Hemisphere. So a lovely challenge. And, you know, how better to, to kick it all off with the Autumn Nation series and, and the launch of a new campaign. We'll hear plenty more from Brian Havana in the coming weeks as he picks off each of Wales, Scotland and England. I've asked him about those all in advance. Can't wait to hear his thoughts there. But his take there, Macron, being world champions, COVID hitting, Alliance Tour, everything, and now being here... It's remarkable, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a great time for South Africa, isn't it? I suppose the one thing that they've missed out on is that when you are the world champions, generally speaking, the next 18 months, two years, that's when you you lord it over everyone else and you can name your price to go and play in South Africa, you know, take your your team to that particular side and you can market it and maximise the financial clout. Well, unfortunately, South Africa haven't been able to do any of that, have they, thanks to COVID? They've not been able to, to do a world tour, getting paid a million pounds a game to whatever, to go here, there and everywhere. So this is a good opportunity for them to keep going on the rugby side of things, prove that what they are, prove what they're about. And by the way, they're going to keep playing in exactly the same way. All this talk about their style, they don't give a monkeys about any of that. that that's for everyone else around the world to discuss South Africa does not give a monkeys about any of that. So they will just carry on doing what they do. Worth reminding yourselves, of course, that this weekend, while everyone else is watching rugby, Razzie Erasmus will be having his disciplinary hearing for that um, outburst video during the Lions tour. Now, I'm not going to say... How we forget that, Ryan? He talks even longer than you do. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say whether he should be found guilty or shouldn't be found guilty. But what I will say is that happened in July. This is the final weekend of October. How did it take this long to get a hearing? For, the, for all concerned, that is totally and utterly unacceptable. This should have been put to bed weeks ago. So yeah, the South Africans first up against Wales. That game live on TalkSport 2 in just over a week's time, Saturday the 6th of November at 5.30. Then they take on the Scots and the English the next two weekends, one game each on TalkSport. And back here on TalkSport 2. Cannot wait. Next up here on the show, we're going to focus on England. We'll hear from Eddie Jones. And we'll hear as well from Captain Owen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Can he get the offload away to Marcus Smith? He can. And that is a world-class try. Marcus Smith goes in. A massive talent and a very exciting player. He's a brilliant lad and he's not just a very talented player, but a, a proper student of the game. And Curry will take the pass from Anthony Watson. And Curry will go in round behind the post. Conan out to the wing where he finds Radwan. Radwan for the corner and scores. It's an exciting period for us. You know, two years from the World Cup with uh, rejig the side slightly looking to see how we can keep our game moving forward. You're listening to the Autumn Nations Rugby Preview Show. I'm Russell Hargreaves. This is TalkSport 2 and alongside Andrew McKenna as we now focus on England. We'll talk a bit of Australia toward the end of this section as well. Building up to three matches for the English against Tonga, against Australia and South Africa. Maka, first of all, I'm a bit worried because obviously I have covered England previously, but now with commentary, you're getting the chance to do it. Are you going to give it me back at some point or are you just uh, <laughs> taking it off me now? He's been a naughty boy. You're not having it back till the end of school. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Um, there's so much to discuss with England. I think we'll start with style of play. Obviously, they don't play until a week on Saturday for their opener. We've got Owen Farrell as the captain. We'll hear from him in a moment. Still clearly in the squad. The skipper, a very important fulcrum. But no George Ford, Marcus Smith in the squad. Do we see the prodigal son, the young Quinn star, start for England? And do we see a more expansive, different style of England play to try and really take the France 2023 World Cup head on? having lost in the final, of course, in 2019 in Japan. It is absolutely fascinating, isn't it? And there's a lot of people sort of saying, well, it it almost comes down to as it's simple. If you include Marcus Smith, you play this way. If you don't include Marcus Smith, you play a different way. I'm not sure it's, it's that cut and dried because when I spoke to Eddie Jones recently, I asked him about the fact that the premiership seems to have gone all jouet, jouet. And we all know that in international rugby, the, the concept is that defence wins you championships. So I said, well, you know, does that actually, can it translate across? 
I'm not sure it's going to be quite as open uh, stylistically as the Premiership has been, but certainly England have to be better than what they were this time last year. If you remember, they won that silverware. But to be brutally honest with you, I mean, you'd rather have stuck pins in your eyes than watch some of the games. So they do actually have to open it up a bit. And here is an opportunity for for people to to lay some claims. I've always said, if you're going to get picked, you want to get picked when you're playing well. Well, look, there is absolutely no doubt that Marcus Smith has a chance to play a senior international for England now because he is playing absolutely sublimely. So, um, yes, you, you almost want him to, to play and, and give him a go while he's full of confidence. And on that note, the Vuna Polar brothers, I mentioned George Ford, these players out of this squad, having been Eddie Jones' stalwarts, Jamie George, the Saracens hooker, was out, but is now back in because of Luke Cowan-Dickey's injury. It does open the door, doesn't it? You think at number eight, for the likes maybe of Sam Simmons coming back in, Alex Dombrandt, there are some cracking players who've just been chomping, waiting. Max Malins, who can't stop scoring tries as well at Saracens. Some great options. Exactly. I mean, everyone's been talking about Freddie Stewart, the Leicester fullback. We seem to have forgotten Max Malins was absolutely tearing it up for England over the course of the summer and then going back into last year. So if I'm Max Malins, the timing of his form is absolutely perfect on that score. I've got to say, the player that, when everyone was looking at the squad, and I was like, oh, there's no Vonipolis, there's no Jamie Jones. The player that leapt off the page for me, whose name wasn't there, was Ben Earl. I think he is an absolutely sensational bat rower. And for all the talk about Bristol's struggles in the Premiership, a lot of people have been talking about Semi Randrandra being injured. Whatever. I think they're missing Ben Earl. He and was only on, as well. Yeah, uh, I think the pair of them, of course, were only on loan last season. But I think Ben Earl at the breakdown has been a miss for Bristol. Um, well, if you turn that around... If England can't find a place for Ben Earl, then they must be absolutely stacked in back row options. Mm. So Ben Kay and Rachel Burford, both World Cup winners, they're the commentary team alongside Andrew McKenna at Twickenham for those England matches. Heading into the three-part series for the English, head coach Eddie Jones telling Macca that injuries are going to play a huge part even before he names his first starting lineup. We can't make that final judgment until we know who's in and who's out and we've got another round of games next weekend. So, yeah, we, we we basically bank on losing about 25% of the squad. Uh, we're probably, probably at this moment, we're already 10% down, probably. Um, so there's probably another 15% coming next weekend, and then we'll then we'll have to re-look at the squad and, and see what sort of judgments we need to make again. Part of your interview with Eddie recently, Maka, how have you found him? It was an interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time that we've... That's uh, one thing I'm arguably happy to hand on to you for a while. <laughs> no, no, he's lovely. He's all right. He is lovely, but you're never quite sure where he's going to take it, are you? And he'll turn um, on you occasionally, which I love. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it, it, was a, it was an interesting one. Um, and I've always believed that you can ask anyone any question during an interview as long as you phrase it right. He might be the one person that is the slight exception to that particular rule because, like you say, there is an ability to go off like a firework in all directions should he choose to. OK, let's now hear from the England captain, Saracens and Lions star Owen Farrell. Asked first up by Macca, what would constitute success over this autumn series? We want to improve, we want to get better. Obviously, we've talked about this this team now, now kicking on, but ultimately we want to win. We're... We want to we want to play well and we want to win. Um, 
that could be that could be in any which way, but we obviously want to evolve our game, like I said. So so we'll see we'll see as the game comes around how they how they play out. But we want to make sure that we're fighting to win these games. On the three opponents, Tonga, Australia, South Africa, they all play very different ways. That they give you very different challenges week in week out. Is that maybe the best thing about the autumn internationals? And you get such varied opposition, that, and they test every facet of your abilities. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 a good part of it. Yeah, I, I think all the best team best teams in the world play play a little bit differently. Um, they all have their own identity. Um, they all they all try and play the game in in, in a certain way. Um, and obviously, we try to do the same. Um, and we'll obviously look at look at opposition and see and see where see what we can do to to. Have nullify our, our put our, our put our game on them, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's a great challenge as 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 always is after, especially after they come off the back of the championship and and having played a, a, a quite a bit of rugby together, uh, we've got to make sure that we get up to speed quickly, so so we're ready for it. The Premiership has gone full Jua Jua this year. International rugby has traditionally been a little bit more conservative. What do you think needs to happen for, for that sort of Premiership style to kick into these international games? I'm not sure. We'll see what the weather's like in the autumn first. Um, no, the, the Premiership. The, the Premiership normally starts off pretty fast. Um, it normally it normally ends up fast, and obviously you had that finish to the Premiership last year, which was which was obviously high scoring as well. Um, the the big the big thing for for us as a team is yeah we want to make sure we involve yeah we want to we want to be aggressive in the way that we play where that we play but we've got to make sure that we're able to play any which way the game presents as well um, whether that be the weather the interpretation of the laws um, are just how the game's going at, at, at particular times we obviously go in there with a plan. Um, and, but we want to make sure that we're able to play any which way that the game the game allows us to. Owen Farrell there speaking to you, Andrew. Yes, so Tonga, Australia, South Africa. Just give me a quick rundown on how you think this will pan out for England and where they will be, where they should be, where they'd hope to be as we again build up toward that next Rugby World Cup that isn't that far away in, in rugby international cycles. I would expect them to put Tonga away pretty comfortably, even if they do rotate and change things around. Australia, well, that is, that, that's going to be a freewheeling game. The Aussies don't arrive at Twickenham and try and get involved in an arm wrestle. That will be a far wider game uh, than the other two. Uh, will they come out on top on that one? Possibly. And uh, Australia have got issues with player avail- availability. Uh, some of the guys have been playing in Japan. Um, that There's still debates going on even now as to whether those players are going to be available. So the Aussies might be a bit short of what they would want in their squad. And then all roads lead to South Africa. Uh, of course, a rematch of the World Cup final, a rematch for some of the players from the Lions Tour. That is going to be one of the most physical battles battles um, you will ever witness uh, and as I said to Owen uh, uh, during the uh, the press launch that is one of the great things about the autumn internationals it throws up different fixtures and it challenges you in totally different ways playing Australia and South Africa a week apart could not be more diametrically opposed in rugby terms it, it's a fascinating approach uh, from coaches from players 
and I hope the spectators get to enjoy it just as, as much as I am thinking about it now. <laughs> we should say that Nick Evans, absolutely quality player in his day for Quinn, still part of their coaching staff, former All Black of great renown. He's going to be part of our New Zealand analyst team. And for the Aussies, James Horwell, also a former Quinn, good man, former Wallabies captain and the next Cambridge man as well. He is going to be uh, part of our Australian team looking at all of their side of things. Mac, we've heard from Eddie as a stout fair dinkum Aussie and former head coach of them as well. Just a quick word on where we think the Wallabies might head as you say availability pending second in the rugby championship not a bad effort they were okay what was very interesting was that things picked up when Quade Cooper got uh, picked they've been not they've been desperately trying to go down the the young outside half route they've been desperate to find someone to actually stake a claim on hang the shirt on and say right this is your job for the next four years and while there are a couple of good contenders Week in, week out at the moment, they've kind of struggled with it. So it's interesting that they went back to Quaid and Quaid just <laughs> rolled up, took the cape off like some sort of uh, Superman character and went, right now, lads, I'm sure I've got this one uh, still to be sorted out. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. So look, it, it's interesting that they have got some really, really tidy youngsters coming through, but they're still quite reliant on some older, experienced heads to guide the whole thing through. How will the Australians fare? We shall find out over the course of the next few weeks right here across TalkSport and TalkSport 2. In a moment, we'll focus on Ireland, chat a little bit of France as well and round up any other business ahead of the Autumn Internationals. He gives it to Halfpenny. Halfpenny goes through Genia. He gives it inside to Sexton! Johnny Sexton goes round just behind the post, puts the ball down. Johnny Sexton scores the try. We've got, a, I suppose, a two-year block ahead of us. Um, and how are we going to get ourselves to the position that we're going into that tournament, you know, as best we can be, full of confidence and, and ready to take on the world? And I suppose this block starts now, doesn't it? And we want to see a continuous improvement and a consistency that, that everyone's proud of. And I think that the that full crowd will, will definitely help us um, because we missed them big time in these home games. And yeah, like I said, the, the focus is all on Japan now to get off on the best foot possible. This is the Autumn Nations Rugby Preview Show with me, Russell Hargreaves, alongside Andrew McKenna on TalkSport 2. And don't forget, we are across TalkSport and TalkSport 2, your home of the upcoming Autumn Nations series. 16 brilliant matches to bring you over the course of the next four weekends. Like England, Ireland aren't in action until next weekend when they play their opener. Certainly looking forward to being part of their commentary team alongside the legendary former Leinster Ireland and Lions centre Gordon Darcy. Dublin's Aviva Stadium, like all these other great grounds, will be back to full capacity the place will be rocking to welcome Japan that's on Saturday the 6th of November then New Zealand on the 13th at 3.15 don't forget the Irish have beaten the All Blacks twice in relatively recent memory could they do it again I wonder and they conclude on the 21st with a game against Argentina Maka just on that a real contrasting three there in the Japanese the All Blacks and the Argentinians isn't it <laughs> yeah, it covers most bases, yeah. doesn't it? Blimey! Yes, um, it'll it'll be interesting to uh, to see how um, how they go on that one because, um, like you say, it's it, there there are very different options. Like you know, like we've we've said before, the, the difference between the Northern Hemisphere style, the Southern Hemisphere style, then throw in the Latin style from Argentina. Um, yeah, that 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 will certainly ask questions. 
Okay, so let's hear a little bit from the Ireland captain, forever young, 36 now, Johnny Sexton. He's once again the skipper for the series ahead, and the veteran fly half spoke to me at the tournament launch. I asked him first up about his comments he'd made earlier, saying that they need more consistency. You mentioned results there. I'm not even talking about results. You know, I'm talking. We've won our last five games in a row, but it's it's about the the quality of performance. And obviously, will it be hard? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge because you know a lot of guys are. Could be a little bit undercooked. A lot of guys have come back off the lines. They've only played a couple of games for their clubs. You know, we haven't, we haven't had. You know, normally we have like interpros or we have big European fixtures, and we have a block of games of maybe six, seven, eight games before we play November. We haven't had that, so we're playing against teams that are battle hardened. So it'll ch- be a challenge, of course, but we got to set our standards high and we got to expect uh, performances of ourselves, and we've proved over over the Six Nations that we, we, we have big performances in us, um, you know, but we need to make sure that they're across the three games, really. And Johnny, you've been a part of so much success with Ireland over the years. How much personally and how much as a collective is it just so kind of a burning ambition to get it right at a World Cup and, and really build and go very, very deep into France 2023? Yeah, that's on the on the horizon. I think, you know, we, we spoke about that, that, you know, we've got a, I suppose a two-year block ahead of us um, and how are we going to get ourselves to the position that we're going into that tournament you know as best we can be full of confidence and, and ready to take on the world and uh, we spoke about that and it starts I suppose this block starts now doesn't it um, and we want to see con- continuous improvement and a consistency that that everyone's proud of and I think that the that full crowd will will definitely help us um, because we missed them big time in these home games and um, and yeah, like I said, the, the focus is all on Japan now to get off on the best foot possible. And just finally from me, you obviously at this stage in the in your career as, as the captain of the team still, tell me a bit about your role in a broader sense, the new faces coming through, the older heads coming back like Simon Zebo. How do you kind of continue to evolve and, and grow your worth, if you know what I mean, to the, to the broader Irish rugby momentum? Yeah, of course, that's... Uh... I suppose, a a new responsibility I've had over the last couple of years. And I'm always there for people. I try not to be, you know, overbearing, going to young lads and and sort of pushing things on them. But I'm always there for them if they ever want to sit down and and talk to me. And uh, that's always the way I was. You know, I I learned more looking at people um, over the years. Like, you know, I had some great role models in Leinster and Ireland that I I was like a, a sponge. But I didn't, never once did I go and tap them on the shoulder. I used to watch them every day um, listen to what they used to say. And, um, you know, so it's important that you lead by example and, and, and be the role model on the pitch and then you'll you'll develop people that way. Yeah, almost then, Mac, a consistency within game as much as the odd individual results, such as their broadly positive momentum under Andy Farrell, their English head coach. Where do you see them going? Again, for me, so much quality in terms of the squad who's at their disposal. It's about getting that momentum and getting it right, isn't it? I think for them, as much as anything else, it's about starting well. Once they get their head of steam going, they'll be absolutely fine. Uh, That first game uh, against Japan is going to be a fascinating one. Um, But you've got those heads, you know, Johnny Sexton. I mean, for goodness sake, the man could have easily gone on the Lions tour uh, had he not had some some health issues at the back end of last season. Uh, He's been there, done it, printed the T-shirt himself kind of thing. So... 
And then you bring back in Simon Zebo. Now, Simon Zebo is a world-class player, and he's just been playing with a world-class outfit in Paris in Racing 92. Now, they've got so much money, they can basically sign whoever they want. So if you go there and do well, you must be doing pretty well. So he's coming back full of the joys of spring. Uh, whether we'll see him straight away or not, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure at this stage. But there's going to be a lot of excitement. There's going to be a lot of buzz. And Simon Zebo brings a lot of good things to every rugby team. So um, I, I like Ireland. I like where they're going. Jack Conan had a really good Lions tour, the number eight. We know all the, the superstar players that they've got, but they've got those really good jigsaw pieces, the guys who, who slot in and fit everything together. Um, Ireland are a, a really good side. And not even the likes of Jacob Stockdale, who was the rising star of the game a couple of years ago. Nathan Doak, Jack Carty, some quality players that couldn't even make the final cut for the wider squad ahead of their internationals. So there's a huge amount about the Irish strength in depth. Macron, this will be a question about France in a second too. I'll give you a heads up. But for Ireland as well, getting it right now is lovely. Getting some nice home wins, fine. But when it comes to a World Cup, when it really, really matters at France 2023, as we just heard the captain allude to there that's where they've got to surely be working toward even now to get that right finally well think back a few years New Zealand used to be described as the best side in the world between World Cups. Um, And then when it comes around to a World Cup, they didn't win it, and everyone sort of poked them with sticks. They sorted that out. Johnny Saxon's absolutely right. What have Ireland realistically done in World Cups? Not as much as they should have in recent times. Uh, France 23 is a great opportunity for them. It's you know relatively local. They'll have a great travelling support, and they've got an opportunity to do some to do some damage in that tournament. And you know what? If they don't, then this side will presumably be broken up by the time that 2027 comes around. So it, it, it's pretty much the last chance saloon for some of these guys to actually leave the kind of legacy that their talent says they should be able to do. So a reminder, we've got 16 live and exclusive commentaries as England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland plus France take on the best that the Southern Hemisphere and Japan has to offer. It includes the world champions, the Lion Tamers of South Africa, the formidable All Blacks of New Zealand and of course the resurgent Australia as well. going to give one more talking point as we conclude the show. You've chatted to the Six Nations and Autumn International CEO, that's Ben Morell. And we asked him whether or not this tournament needs an Autumn Nations Grand Final. We are having a lot of discussions uh, in terms of what could be the future international calendar, looking at July and November. Obviously, respecting, you know, uh, needs to be compatible with player welfare and whatever sort of adjustments we could make. Uh, so I think we're all pretty happy with what we have. But sure, it could be improved. And whether that leads to a, a final or, or or some sort of ranking, uh, I think would be a positive to add, um, but you know it's a, it's a, it's obviously a complex matter. But the Six Nations are playing a, a leading role in in trying to to see what the the solution could be. The take of Ben Morell, work being done, he says. Macker, of course, we had one last year due to COVID and the change in structure, but we didn't have one before, and we don't have one this year either. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? Last year, of course, they were man- they, they basically created something. Uh, this year, it's slightly different, and there's also various other things. I I think last year convinced me that actually, 
the final round should be a bunch of finals. I think autumn is, is kind of had that issue of, of having context about it. Okay, you've beaten them, we've beaten them. What does that mean going forward? As it is, they're just playing for world ranking points. I think if you get something tangible at the end of it, and let's remember England, by the look of it, are going to hold a trophy for, for all of history because they won it last year uh, and it looks like at the moment there's not going to be a, a new version of it. But while these are great games, don't get me wrong, just to have a little bit of context going forward to say at the end of it, these are the best sides, I think would help us to to actually sort of pin it down and say, right, there is your context of what you've just seen over the last four weeks. Macker, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me on the Autumn Nations Rugby Preview Show. I'm Russell Hargreaves, and just to remind you, it all kicks off this coming Saturday. 2pm on TalkSport 2, Scotland up against Tonga, and the big one straight after. Macker in the commentary box for Wales against New Zealand. It's going to be a wonderful four weeks of rugby across the TalkSport network, and we'll see you there.